Today's daf is daf Lamed Zion, and we pick up from the two dots about ten lines down on the Amud Lamed Zion Amud Aleph thirty-seven A, and the Gemara is discussing the words Vehein Onin Acharav, and they respond after the Kain Gadol. Right, the Kain Gadol would say Ana Hashem Chatosi Avisi Pashati. He said the 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 whole statement, and everybody would respond after him. This Gemara is going to discuss why. What's the source that everybody has to respond, uh, should respond after the Kohen Gadol? Here we go. They would respond after him. Tani will enter the Rabbi Yomer Rabbi says, When we call out the name of Hashem, we should give greatness to our Hashem. At the time that I say Hakadosh Baruch Hu's name, Atem you should say that there is greatness to Hashem, and therefore, as soon as you hear the name of Hashem, Ona Hashem, okay, so everybody should be Avogad Lelokim. They say Baruch Shink Vod Machus Elamvod Chananya Benachi Rabbi Shuaimer Chananya, the nephew of Rabbi Shua says Zecher Tzadik Levracha. When we say Zechar Tzadik Lebracha, what is that referring to? Amalam Navi Yisrael, the Navi says to Yisrael, this is referring to Shlomo HaMelech, Shani Maskir Tzadik Alamim, when we talk about the righteous one of all the worlds, referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Atem Tenu Bracha, you should give Hashem a Bracha. Okay? And um, this is the, uh, this is also, by the way, when you hear somebody say Baruch HaTashem, unless they're being moved to you with a mitzvah or a Bracha, you say, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shemai, blessed be He, blessed be His name. Because when you, you hear Hashem's name, we're supposed to join in in the calling out of the greatness of that name. Period. That ends that Gemara. And now we begin the next Mishnah. Here we go. Says the Mishnah. Bola the Mizrachazar. The Kain Gadol would go now to the eastern side of the Azara. Previously, we're talking about the Chatas of the Kayan for himself and his family that was on the northern side near the Mizbeach. Now he would go to the eastern side of the courtyard, Litzafayna Mizrach, which was to the north of the Mizbeach. Sagan Biyaminai, the Sagan, who was the assistant Kayan Gadol, would stand to the, Gohen, to the Kohen Gadol's right side. Berosh Beisav Mismalah. And the Reish Beisav, the head of that Kohen family, would stand to his left. Now, what do you mean that Kohen family? So we know that all the Kohanim were divided into Mishmaros by the week, and then once they decided what week they're going to work, they were split up into Rosh Beisav, that they were each given specific days for the Avoid. Now, each family had a Reish, had somebody to represent them, to lead them, and... Um, um, uh, whoever's family was supposed to work on Yom Kippur, let's say Yom Kippur fell out on a Shabbos, so whoever was Zeichet to that Shabbos, they themselves were going to do the Avaidah, but the Reish Pesach stood to his left, Visham Shnei Seirim, and there were two Seirim, two goats, the Kalti, haya, the kalti Hayasham, and there was a Kalti, there was a, there was a, a box, Ubashnei Gairalis, and inside the box were two Gairalis, two tickets, for the lottery. Shel Eshkerua Hayu, 
and the tickets were made out of a specific type of wood. Va'atsan ben Gamla shows up, and ben Gamla, who was a kain gadol, Rabbi Shua ben Gamla, he uh, changed it that they were now made out of gold. More chashuf, yeah. He was a very wealthy kain gadol. We discussed him earlier in the Masechta, and um, he had the Lashem and Lazazel changed to gold. And they they remembered him for Shvach. This was a positive thing. In other words, it wasn't like a bad thing that they changed from wood to gold. The Chachamim were were happy about this. Okay. Ben Kotten was the one who made sure there were 12 different spouts for Kiar, for them to do Kiddush and Ramraglam. Because when it was originally made, it only had two spouts, and then everybody would have to line up to wash their hands and feet. All right? So he made 12 spouts. This way, all the Kahanim were working together could wash at the same time. He didn't have to wait. And he also made a Muchan. It's like some sort of, it's like a machinery. Okay? Okay? Uh-huh. Okay? <laughs> He would also make um, like like some sort of muhani a functioning for the kiar. In what way? He did some sort of chap that made it that the water would not be considered like it was left overnight. Okay, it wasn't allowed to be left overnight. So he figured something out where um, the basically. He had a he he chopped that the kiar. If you move the bottom out and connect it to a fresh spring underneath it, would you never have to like uh, be stuck with water that was left overnight and was therefore possible because it was always connected to a uh, to a spring, and since it was connected to a live source, it was never considered old water. Okay, Munbazamelech. King Munbaz, he made all of the hands for the Kalim. Here it's referring to handles. And that which was used for Yom Kippur was made out of gold. Hilani, who was Munbaz's mother, she made a golden, um, like candlesticks. Okay? It was, uh, well, we'll get into soon what it was, but basically it was a, back then, candlesticks was their light switch, okay? And she put these, this, um, uh, these, these, uh, leichter on the, by the, over the entrance of the heichel. And she also made a golden cup. That had the whole parsha of saita written on it, okay? And uh, everybody would come to the base and they'd see this, with the parsha of Saita, Niknar. And what about Niknar? So we'll get into Niknar tomorrow. Nasu Nisim Ledal Saisav, there were miracles that happened with his doors, and the Gemara is going to get into this. Uh, uh, tomorrow, what mir- miracles happened. And the Chachamim, again, all these things that were done for the base HaMikdash, were all positive things, okay? This that everybody did, Rabbi <clears throat> Shulvan Gamla, changing around the lots from the wood to the gold, 
Ben Cotton with his 12 spouts, Munbaz with the, uh, um, the, the 12 spouts and to make sure it, doesn't, it, it was never considered overnight water, Munbaz and his mother, okay? They did the, uh, the handles and the, the saita and all those things, okay? And along with Nikna. All right, here we go. Says the Gemara. Let's offer the Mizrach. Let's go to the ratio of the Mishnah. We said in the Mishnah, the Kain Gadol went to the north. Mechlaud, the Mizbeach Lab, it's up in Koy. It seems that the Mizbeach itself was not in the north. He went to the northern, on, on the northern side, opposite the Mizbeach. The Mizbeach itself was not placed to the north, and it was Mamish right smack dab in middle. Money. So whose opinion is this, that it was right in the middle? Rebbe Yaakov. It's the opinion of Rebbe Lezben Yaakov. Then it rises to the final of Hashem. He brings the Mizbeach to the definers of the northern side. Which is in front of Hashem teaches me tough and kulai panoi. The entire northern side of the Azara has to be empty. You can't have a Mizbeach there. Divi There's opinion of So you see that the Mizbeach was not on the northern side. So it was empty. I have a Rasha Blazar Bribshimini, but the Rasha is Rabbi Bribshimin. Why would the Rasha be Rablazar Bribshimin who holds that it was on the northern side and we're switching to Rablaz bin Yaakov? We usually don't like doing that. Says the Gemara, you're right, Kula Rablaz bin Yaakovi. The Tani and uh, and uh, we should really understand the beginning of the Mishnah to say that what does it mean that it was in the northern side? It means in the northern side, in other words, the Kain Godol's par that we learned on yesterday's daf um, was standing a little bit off to the corner, to the northwestern corner. And Mamela, the whole Mishnah, can remain the opinion of Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Okay, says the Gemara. Sagan b'mina b'reish beis The Sagan kain gadol was to the right side. The sister kain gadol was to the right side of the kain gadol when he did his lots. And the reish beis was left. I'm a Yudah Mahalich Yimin Rabbi. If a person walks on the right side of his rabbi, means when you walk, the rabbi is to the left because you're standing on the right. Hareza bor. Okay, Rashi says, what does it mean hareza bor? It's somebody who just partially doesn't chap. Doesn't catch on to how things are supposed to are uh, supposed to be done. You're not supposed to put yourself into a position where you're you're off to the right. Again, the right is the chashav aside. We learned that the mission has to be mina v'reish beisav v'shmoilai. The sagan is to the right. The reish beisav to the shmoilai. I say how the sister can go be to the right. We just said if you're to the right, you're you're foolish. You just don't chap. Why was the Sagan to the right then? Tanya, and furthermore, we learned, three people walk on the road. We learned this together in Brachis. The Rabbi should be in the middle. The more Chosh of student to his right, the Kotan Bismillah. And the Kotan should be to his left. And similarly, we find, Okay? Seems that they were all uh, side by side. So, what's the pshat that Rabbi Yehuda says that if a person walks next to his Rebbe, he's a boor? You see, you're allowed to walk on the side of a Rebbe. So, we have two questions. Again, why is the Sagan saying to the right? And secondly, you see, you could stand side by side. Originally, we thought you'd have to hang back a little bit. He said that the way. The way um, what we mean by hanging back a little bit is that really you're supposed to walk like one step behind, and it's uh, when you walk like one step behind, it's kind of like your Rashi explains 
you're, you're blocking his back, kind of protecting him from the back. You shouldn't walk behind your Rebbe. That's today. We say, okay, you walk a, like a little bit to the back, off to the side, and a little bit like a, like a half a step back. You don't mamish walk directly behind your Rebbe. Okay, you walk to, to the side and a little bit behind. Okay, end of that discussion. Next part of the Mishnah. The Kalfi Sham Ubosh Negarelis. We said there was a box, and inside the box were two Gairelis. Tonarabon the rabbis learned so shui. Vinasa Aaron Shneasirim Gairelis. Aaron puts Shneasirim, two goats, and he puts lots. Gairelis shall call Dover. It seems it can be made out of whatever you want. It's made out of paper. When it's the one that says Lashem, Lazozo, it doesn't seem like it needs to be made out of a specific material. Yochel, I might think. Yitin Shnayim Alzeu Shnayim Alzeem that you should put two for each goat, okay? Meaning you, you write Lashem twice, and you write Lazazel twice. Talmud Laimar, Gairel Echad. Lashem, the Gairel Echad, Lazazel. Inkan Lashem, Ela Gairel Echad. Inkan Lazazel, Ela Echad. It's only said it has Lashem on one, there's Lazazel on one. Yocho Yitein, Shalshem Vashem Lazazel Alzeh. Maybe I would say, that um, you could put Lashem and Lazozel on one goat and Lashem and Lazozel, the Shem Vishal Lazozel on the other goat. Okay, this way you'll fulfill the words of the plural, Gairel Lais, Talmud Laimar, Gairel Echad, Lashem, Enkan Lashem, Ela Echad, Enkan Lazozel, Ela Echad. Now we got to figure this out. What's going on? It says there are lots, plural. And we said very clearly just now, it can't be plural. So what does it mean? It means Shayushav. They need to be equal. In what way? The Lashem and Lazozel can't be made. You can't make a gold Lashem and a silver Lazozel. You can't make a bigger Lashem than Lazozel because then the Kayin could make sure to pick out the Lashem one, which was a good sign for Israel. Everything needed to be completely equal. Says the Gemara, one second. Gareli shall call Dovar Pshita. Yeah, it doesn't say anywhere what the lots need to be made out of. So why would I have thought otherwise? I'll tell you why I would have thought otherwise. Because since we find by the Tzitz, it says Kaidish Lashem. And when it says Kaidish Lashem, had Hashem's name, and that was made out of gold. I would say over here, it says Lashem. Make sure it's like the Tzitz. And it needs to be made out of gold. It's includes any anything could be the lots. Riba shall zayis, riba shall egois, riba shall eskaraya, and it even includes this special type of wood that ultimately it seems they used until Rabbi Ben Gamla came along and changed it to gold. Seder, okay. Period. End of that discussion on that part of the mission. Next part of the mission, we explain that the key originally had two spouts, but Ben Katan came along and he made 12, so all the Kahanim could wash together. Ben Katan also shnei maser dar l'kiyar. Tanam begun to the b'risa. Kadeshu shnei maser echa b'kayhanim asukim b'tamin b'kachudim raglim b'atzachas. This is so that all 12 Kahanim who were involved in the Karbara Tamin could wash their hands and feet all at once. Tanam, we learned in the b'risa. Shachres b'miluoy. In the morning, when the kiyar was full, 
it was higher spouts and you should use the higher spouts. Arbis biri dosai mikadesh yodav raglov min atachlin, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because the lower the water level, the lower the spout you need to you, you need to use. Okay, so you'd have to use the spout all the way on bottom. Very practical gemara. Okay, next part of the mishnah. Ve'afhu also muchuni lekiyar, and ben Kotin also made this sort of kind of contraption to make sure that the water in the kiyar was never considered like it was left overnight. Says the Gemara, my mukhni, what exactly was this thing that he did? Amr Abaye, Gilgola, he made a galgal, he made a wheel, a wheel, to have a mishakole, that when you turn the wheel, it would kind of lower the inside of the kiyar so that it would like become connected to the ground. And now, when he would raise it up the next morning, any water that was in there was connected to the ground and it was beautiful, it wasn't considered leftovers. Okay. Munbaz HaMelech, also called Yodis Munbaz, made sure to put handles on uh, on all the cave. Says the Gemara, Why did he make the handles gold? Why not donate gold of the entire thing? The, the entire, all, all the cave. Make the entire kli out of gold. If you're going to make a donation, do it properly. Why are you leaving the regular kalim and then don't, donating gold for the handles? Just donate gold kalim. Um, Rabbi, Rabbi says, um, it means biyadais sakina. Okay? We're dealing with handles of knives. Now, what type of answer is this? So Rashi explains right on top of the page. She A knife has very unique rules about it. You can't make golden knives, it has to be, right? Using it for shechita, and it's, it's, it's very limited. So we're saying that the, the knife itself remained the proper metal, but the handles for the chaluf, for the knives, that's what he changed. And he wouldn't change it, the whole thing gold, because otherwise the whole avayda wouldn't have been valid. Maybe that's a challenging question. So you see that he did more than just put handles on knives, and if he did more than just put handles on knives, why didn't he donate everything out of gold? Abayi explains, We're referring, again, to things that, the, what did he donate besides for knives? Other things that cut. No, but you're not going to cut with gold, okay? Gold is a terrible type of metal to choose to uh, cut things through with. You want to cut up uh, wood, you, wanna, you, you need a real axe, you need a strong blade. And therefore, what does it say that he donated all these other kalim, shalzav, made out of gold? It means he donated uh, chopping type of uh, vessels. And again, like we explained before, that cannot be made completely out of gold. Okay, period. Next part of the Mishnah. Munbaz had a mother, her name was Hilani. She had these golden, she had golden candlesticks made. We learned in the Braisa. When the sun would come up in the morning. There were sparks that would come from these candlesticks. Not real sparks, but kind of like, um, you know, the, the, the sun's rays would bounce off of it. And everybody would know that it was time for Kriyashma. It was actually like, like, a, like a clock. People knew when sunrise was, 
when this special fancy schmancy leichter would start to shine. Mesut asked the challenging question. In the morning, with Anshay Mishmar and Anshay Maimid. Okay, these are dealing with the people who are around closer to the morning. That Mesha Anshay Mishmar Mashkimim, they get up a little too early. Anshay Maimid Ma'achrim, the people who are there for the Maimid come a little too late. So, what, uh, so uh, the, these candlesticks that were hung up high, who used it to tell them it was time for Shema? It was the average Yid, the average, the, the average Joe, who were not part of the Avaida. When they'd see this glistening, they knew it was time. She also made a, a tabla, a, a cup, which um, had the Parsha of Saita inscribed on it. We learn from here, you're allowed to write a Megillah for a Tinok, in order for him to learn from it. Okay? Now, what this Gemara is referring to is a sugya elsewhere, which discusses whether you're allowed to write words of Paira in just pieces. Whether you have to write a whole Zebra Zebra, whether you're allowed to write just diff- different parts of Paira. So you see from here, we were just writing the Parsha Saita, and it was for a purpose of teaching people. So you see it's allowed. So the Gemara says, Amarish Lakish Bishon Biyanai, no, the Aleph base. That um, the whole Parsha of Saita was not written. Rather, only the Aleph base was written. Now Rashi says something here very fascinating. Rashi says that Osios Shal Roshe Tevis. They just had the acronyms, okay? Like each word for the Parsha Saita, it had the first letter. Of each word, but didn't write out each word completely. When you saw the letter, you knew, you know, as long as you knew the parsha from beforehand, you know exactly what needed to be said. But it itself was not written, so you have no proof from here that you're allowed to write parts of Tyra in order to teach. Maybe that's a challenging question. Kishuhu Kaisif, we said when the when the when it comes time for a saita, the kain the the kohen would write parsha the parsha of sota. It seems he looked at this and that's how he remembered what the proper words were. So it seems it was written out. The Gemara says, no, not necessarily. Yeah. He looked at this thing and the, he was able to tell by the first letter exactly which word to put down. Okay. So you have no proof. They say that's a challenging question. And what was written? It seems that the Psukim themselves were mamish written out. So you see, it wasn't just the acronym and the Rashi Tavis of each word. Our answer is Hasam in that Brisa Rugin. Okay? That's dealing with Seirugan, where it was Seirugan over here. Rashi says, So on and so forth. In other words, the, what we did was write the whole Pasuk of each part, and then the rest were Rashi Tevis. But we didn't mamish write out. Still, we're sticking to our guns and explaining that we still didn't write out the entire 
parsha of Saita. Hence, you have no proof from this thing that Hilani did that you're allowed to have parts of Tyra that are uh, that are allowed to be completely written out in order to teach others. We're still uh, we still we're still left hanging as, at least from our Mishnah as to what the halacha would be in that circumstance. And Bezim tomorrow will start with these Niknar doors, the doors of Niknar and the tremendous miracles that took place when he wanted to donate these doors to the Beis HaMikdash. So Bezim, we will pick up tomorrow. Let's learn at 6.55. Okay, we'll learn at 6.55 uh, p.m. Bezim tomorrow, the next couple of daf, um, where I would say tomorrow's daf Lameches uh, and daf Lametes finishes the parak. We have some uh, fascinating Agatha Gemaras coming up, and we will hold it here for this evening. A good Zimmer, everybody.